What's going on? It's your boy Mixmaster B here live from the MNB Radio Studios for the MNB Radio Podcast, where no topic is too big or too small. We talk about them all. And on the phone lines is a woman who I've been courting and trying to have her on the podcast for quite a while. And I know I say that about a lot of guests, and I say that about a lot of guests. <laughs> but seriously, I've been trying to have her on the podcast because she's something that's really just inspired me with not only what she does as a model, but she's also what we call a horror babe, and we're going to ask her details about that. <laughs> she's also a survivor, and we're going to ask about that as well. So I want to welcome her in to the phone lines right now, Farrah DeMorte. Farrah, what's going on? Hi, how are you? Doing awesome. Um, and like I said, there's so many things I want to ask and so many <laughs> questions because I've been wanting to have you on the podcast for like I'm not even exaggerating. It's been a couple years since well, I like thank you reached. For having me. Yes, and, and I mean with understanding of why you weren't able to make it on the podcast, and we'll get into all of that. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess the first thing I want to kind of clarify is because we have a lot of guests on the podcast, and we have models, and there's different models from different genres, but you're classified as like a horror babe. So for those <laughs> who are like listening and they're used to like you know uh, glitz and glamour models and adult models, like. What is horror babe status? I mean, it, I kind of came up with a term myself just so that, like, people would get an idea when they were going through my Instagram, like, what I was about. I mean, I'm just a big horror fan. Um, 90% of my tattoos are all horror-based, so I am an alternative model, uh, which means, you know, anything alternative from fashion status. Um, I did used to be a fashion model. I started modeling back in 1999, and... uh you know, once I uh, hit my 30s and, and you know, you kind of cap your max uh, at, uh, you know, age requirements to do most of that kind of stuff, aside from, like, regular print, that's when I went into, like, what I really liked was, like, the, you know, tattoos and the wild hair colors and anything that, you know, didn't have to have a, a blank canvas, essentially, so you could take on whatever role they wanted you to be. No. Um, so horror babe is just, you know, I'm just a horror fan. I'm I'm a chick. So, you know, everyone, anyone could be a horror babe, you know? <laughs> now, you grew up in uh, where? New Jersey or like I know yeah. you're, you're in the East Coast of so New Jersey. Um, yeah. Growing up and you said you did regular, you know, I guess what we consider, you know, glamour. Mainstream. Mo- mainstream. Yeah. I was going to say, like, what is the proper term for it? Because there's so many different genres of it. So yeah. you, you were doing that. Model. Yeah. Print so model runway, did all that stuff. Yeah. Okay. So you were doing all that, like minus tattoos, I'm assuming, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And did very you, vanilla. <laughs> now, now, did you always want to do that? Because you say you feel more comfortable being what you've classified as the horror babe, which is cool because you you coined the phrase and you own it, you know, and, and essentially. Um, you said that's more of your natural self. So when you started doing the modeling, did you feel any kind of like, uh, I don't know how to say, like restraints or, you know, pressure to kind oh, of be yeah. something you weren't? There's, yeah, there's definitely a pressure to um, – you know, fit any mold and it gets you more work, you know, I mean, cause I also was, you know, I was doing acting as well. Um, you know, so I would go for go sees and, and auditions and, you know, if you, it, cause I went to one and they're like, Oh, well we have a ton of models who look, who look like you. And I had black curly hair. I was always like a goth, like metalhead chick, you know? So I always had that kind of dark look. So I, you know, started to, you know, I I was getting a lot of work at the time, so I was like, all right, I I can do this, and you know, put on the hat, if you will, to uh to to fit whatever they needed. And so, you know, I had lightened my hair, I had softened my makeup, um, and you know, I started to wear color. What is that? You know, <laughs> so so it was uh yeah. I mean, I loved it. I and I still do love it. Um, but you know, there is this whole thing where you're like, okay, I'm you know, dancing in this small little box of, you know, requirements where I'm like, oh, I really love that look of all the tattoos. I love that look of, you know, the wild hair and stuff. And, you know, sure, you can still get work like that, but then you are once again typecast. And I didn't really know what, um, you know, what what part of acting I want to do. Like some people are like, oh, yeah, I want to be in soap operas or I want to be in theater or I was like, well, whatever I can get, you know, I'll do commercials. I don't care. So, and I had a pretty good run with it. And then, you know, I, I am, I'm my daytime, my day job is a hair hairdresser, a hairstylist. Um, so I came to a point, a crossroads where I was like, okay, do I want to keep 
doing the modeling and acting and not and living paycheck to paycheck, not knowing, you know, what my future is going to hold or do I want job security? So I took the, you know, the other road and I was like, all right, I, I want a house, I want a car, I want nice things going trips. I don't want to have to worry about, am I going to make it this month? Because that's just how a gig worker can be is, is just you, you, you fly by the seat of your pants. And for some people that works. Um, I wanted a bit more out of life. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to do this and then, then do the modeling stuff as a hobby and, and I can pick and choose more of what I wanted to do at that point. So for when you first started doing modeling, growing up, is that something that you wanted to do? Like, what were your dreams to, of being when you grew up? Did you want to do hair? Did you want to do makeup? Did you want to do acting? Like, as a child, going into your teen years, like, what what rounded you into doing modeling? I, I definitely was always attracted to. I mean, I'm five foot ten, so I was always tall, and everyone's like, "Oh, you should be a model. You should be a model." And um, you know, and then I. I always took a pretty good picture so I was like all right maybe there's something to this that could be fun so I had tried it several times um when I was younger and um you know went went through like some casting classes and acting classes rather um you know uh, modeling schools are all bullshit anyway so can I say bullshit okay. you just did <laughs> <laughs> you know but it is so it's 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 either, you know, you either have it or you don't. So you get coaching of some sort. But, uh, yeah, I always I always liked it. I always wanted to be some kind of entertainer. You know, I was like, oh, I want to be a rock star. And, well, now I do that. So there's that. You know, I mean, I'm not famous, but I sing for, for two bands. So, so yeah, it's just, I like to be I like to be an entertainer. But I always did my friend's hair, too. I actually wanted to be a mortician. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I can see how know. that goes hand in hand now with the, yeah. the whole vibe, well, you know? I'm, I mean, I was really good at biology and all that stuff. And, like, you know, uh, so I did well at those subjects in school, but. Yeah, I hated cutting up shit. <laughs> uh, that I loved, absolutely. I was like, well, how does this work, you know? But, um, yeah, so, but the, my problem is, is I, I'm only good at subjects I'm interested in. And, unfortunately, with college, they make you take all these things that have nothing to do with your major. And that's where I was like, okay, I'm probably not going to do well at that. So that's when I chose to trade school where you just go to school for what you want to know, you know. Mm -hmm. So so I, I chose hair. What was one of the biggest challenges when you first got into modeling? Because, I mean, 2021. I mean, you're talking about 1999. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's just like forever I'll, ago. I'll, I'll be 44 this year, and I'm still well, doing it. <laughs> see, I would have no, – first off, I never I, – you know you know the rule. You never ask a woman how old she is. And I, I would have <laughs> never guessed 44 – so that's just, that there is uh, is like a, a mind fuck for me right now. Just say that you're 44. I'm like, okay, so where, hold on, wait, what was my next question? Because now I'm like stumbled over that. Um, so, I mean, yeah, but like I said, 1999, I mean, there was like the yeah. rise of the internet, all that stuff. But like now if you look at it in 2021, and you can say oh, this yeah. about almost anything that you get into. Like even me now doing a podcast, like I'm, I'm kind of yeah. like in the same boat as you is where... You know, I was had an interest, you know, when I was graduating high school in 1999 and 2000, you know what I mean? Like, I had an interest in that. Mm -hmm. And now it's like yeah. getting guests on the podcast. Everybody's got a podcast. You know what I mean? It's like right. if you don't have a podcast, it's like saying you don't have an email address. It's like people look right. at you like, what the fuck is wrong with you? What do you mean you don't have a podcast? <laughs> so, there, yeah, exactly. So it's just like there's there's that challenge for me. But what was challenges for you in 1999 as far oh, as modeling went? Well, it's so different now. And I, and I always joke with all the new models. And I'm like, oh, my God, you guys have no idea what it was like. Because now you can just basically just reach out to any company online mm -hmm. and, and be like, hey, I want to model your stuff. Or if you have all this following, they hit you up and they pay you to do stuff like that. So Everybody's an Instagram I, model, you know. Something, you know, but back then, I mean, you had to actually pay lots of money for a good photograph. You had to go in person. So I lived in South Jersey. I would drive to New York or I would drive to Philadelphia, sometimes even to Maryland, um, just to go for a 15-minute go-see. That's when you walk in, you hand them your portfolio. They ask you to put on a bikini or bra and underwear or a certain outfit. You walk in. They look you up and down. They ask you to smile. They ask you to say your name. And then they tell you to your face what they don't like about you. Which so, could be a harsh reality for oh, someone who's just getting into me, it. There was 
Yes. And there was, and I'm, this is what I'm saying is like, you know, everyone's like, oh, you gotta have a thick skin because, you know, you get trolled online. I'm like, you have no idea what it's like to like walk into a room full of all these girls who all have to feel the same way. And here you are in front of people and this is happening where, you know, you get the on, online, there's no face. It's all just words. It's all typing. You know, nobody actually says it to your face and or looks you up and down to your face. Like, I mean, girls would judge each other or, you know, jeez. Uh, I mean, I've been on, on go sees where I've seen girls knock other girls' headshots into trash cans and stuff. <laughs> like, it's it's brutal. And, uh, and you know, you just got to kind of – they always said uh, for every 10 auditions, you would get one. Or every 10 go sees, you would get one. And as soon as you leave the audition or the interview or the go see, you have to forget about it because otherwise it'll eat you up. So I, there's a big difference between then and now with, with how it's done. I was going to say, and nowadays, I mean, there's like a give and take with it where it's like for mm-hmm. some parts, like you said, it's it's easier because you don't have to face someone face to face. And sometimes yeah. it's easier to, well, it's not that it's, it's never easy for it to be rejected. No. Especially yeah. when you, you know you what I mean? you also email. Yeah. yeah. Like you can email your headshots now. I had to snail mail everything. So then you're paying for stamps, all these envelopes. Like it was so much. Like you don't have to pay. <laughs> then you're waiting the, the like. anxiety to get yeah. a reply. If it gets lost, you're like, oh my God, you know. And I, and yeah. I guess so like, the advantages now too is like I said, you know, I say it tongue in cheek, but it's, it's kind of true. Anybody can be a model now on Instagram because we got... You know, we got filters, we got more access, yeah. you got so much yeah. other things that are accessible to you to get your name out there is that you didn't have in 1999. Mm-hmm. And then, right. you know, like for the, and, and I always feel like, you know, we, we kind of show our age. I mean, even though you kind of already told me your age, but I mean, we, <laughs> we, we show our age when we start I'm saying. I'm a bad liar, so just say it. <laughs> well, I'm saying is that it, like we show our age when we say things like, you know, well, back when I did it, it was so much harder, you know, like. In my day. <laughs> yeah, back in my day, you know, we didn't have access to the Internet. You know, we didn't have mm-hmm. access like to this and that and what have you. Um, so, yeah. I, I mean, and then these people that are doing the Instagram modeling now, like, it's all Gucci right now for them, but then, you know, 10, 15 years from now when technology changes and everything, they're going to be right where we're at saying those things, mm-hmm. you know? So, yep. um, so you lead into doing the modeling and then finally you just mm-hmm. kind of broke free and were like, you know what? I want to be fair. I want to do me. Yeah. I want to be, you know, the horror babe. Um, <laughs> so, um, the tattoos started coming and, uh, yeah. I was fielding questions from fans because we've been, like I said, planning this for a while to have you on. And I'm looking through old questions that we had from a while ago. And someone was asking me, like, currently to date, how many tattoos do you currently have? Oh, God. Do you even keep count? (laughs) I mean, well, if you go by each individual session, you can't even count it. But, um, I mean, I have a full back piece. You know, which is several different, it's a collage of different, different tattoos from different times. You know, I've got a, let me see if I can remember because I'm not even looking at my back. <laughs> well, the whole bottom half is a, is a psycho portrait. So I've got the house and I've got Janet Lee being killed by mother in the shower. That's all in the lower area. I have a Night of the Living Dead as some filler in there. Uh, a, a large Edgar Allan Poe portrait on my shoulder blade. And on the other side, I have uh, Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, the classic, um, you know, monsters, and also uh, Bela Lugosi as Dracula um, and his uh, victim. I believe her name was Helen Chandler, I think. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, so the keep count of it is kind of like crazy because, uh, as you mentioned, like one (laughs) one tattoo kind of like evolves into – you know, a larger tattoo, you know, so it's just right. like, and they were all several sessions. Yeah. yeah so. so it's like just the answer to the question is just a lot. There's a lot going I, on. Yeah. There. <laughs> I, several. <laughs> which, which one hurt the most? Oh God, my stomach groovy. <laughs> I was going to say like, cause that's like, you know, it's like a little bit, uh, you know, further down. Oh yes. It goes way down. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I am tall though. So it's not as far as people think they're like, Oh, it goes down. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm very long. So mm-hmm. it's not, it's actually not as close as you think. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, it's like, there's parts that we can't see. So we're like, wait, yeah. like how far does this go down? Because at a certain point there's a fork in the road and you have two legs. So, 
Um, but like that has to hurt, like just like in that area because it's just you know a lot more sensitive, right? Yes, yes. Below the below the navel was um was pretty intense. So uh, yeah, that was that was probably my most memorable of. Uh, I mean, you know, you suffer through it. You're never like tapping out or sweating or anything. You know, you're just like, damn, this sucks. But you know. You, you you expect it going in. You know you're not going to like lay there and be tickled by you know feathers. So. When I tell people when I got tattooed, I told them I was just like, you know what? The way I dealt with it, like the guy took a break. I'm like, dude, don't like, don't stop. Like, it got to a point like my arm got numb that yeah. I was just like, keep going, dude. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't need a break. Like, unless you need a break, I don't keep going because like right. once I start getting feeling in my arm again, that's when it's gonna fucking <laughs> hurt. Um, yep, exactly. So. A couple more questions that we have from fans, because, again, the one of the cool things that you brought up is that you are uh, like a lead singer in band. So where yeah. where did the uh, the musical influence come from? Because I kind of feel oh, like like right. doing modeling, yeah. it kind of goes hand in hand. Like, But like, where did all that kind of just erupt from? It's funny because, you know, I never like I mean, I always, you know, would sing, um, you know, one of my one of my major vocal influences was uh, Sebastian Bach, actually, the singer of Skid Row. So, you know, there's the 80s hair metal thing um, there. But I just loved how he had like such an amazing range and he had a lot of rasp and attitude in his singing. And I was like, okay, like that's that's what I want to do. So he was one of my major vocal influences, him, Pat Benatar. Um, and Wilson from Heart, you know, all these. So I took little pieces from everybody and um, I would just sing along uh, in my house, you know. So not until I was in my 20s and my friends wanted to go to karaoke did I actually get the nerve to get up in front of people and sing. So I guess you could say I was self-taught for a majority of it. And, um, you know, uh, I to shorten it, I, I was dating a guy, and I was always like, oh, yeah, I always want to get into to a band. I was like, you should come see me sing karaoke. And he automatically assumed that because I sang karaoke, I must suck. So he's like, okay, here we go. I'll, I'll, I'll show up, you know. And then I get off stage, and he's like, uh, you need a band. And I was like, ha, 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 okay. But um, long <laughs> story short, he got, he, yeah, right, you know. So long story short, he gets me an audition with his friend's cover band, and, and that started it. So that was about 2012. And I formed my own cover band because um, I wanted to be in control of my schedule and the songs I sang and everything like that. So I was like, I'll just do my own thing. And I formed Mischief Night in uh, 2014. And I started taking vocal lessons then because, you know, apparently I don't know everything or anything about it. I just was like, all right, I just open my mouth and this comes out. And I went to vocal training and he taught me how to breathe and how to, um, you know, just the shape of your mouth can actually make tones come out better. So, you know, if you actually articulate the vowel sounds and all that stuff. But so, yeah, I went, I went through that. And um, now I have another band with my husband um, called Sunset Strip. And that's an 80s hair metal tribute band. So I have a party band named Mystic Night and Sunset Strip is the 80s hair metal tribute. Now, one of the questions that I wanted to ask, because some other people who were looking at it from the modeling standpoint wanted to know, like, how did you build that courage to be in front of people. So, I mean, not only are you doing modeling, but doing a band, like having that stage presence, that, that, that courage to be out there in front of a, a live audience, people looking at you. How did you overcome it's, that? <laughs> it's very daunting. And um, you wouldn't believe it, but I actually suffer from uh, anxiety and, and social anxiety. So I've generalized anxiety disorder plus social anxiety. And I guess I'm just a glutton for punishment because it's, I I have to coach myself every time on stage to, you know, be able to do the thing. And, um, but I'm one of those people who I take the challenge and I'm like, okay, I'm I'm not going to let this win. So I just challenge it every day. And so it's just, it's, it's a, it's a struggle, you know, but, um, it's funny because I'm a bad liar, but I'm a good actor. <laughs> so, so there's that. So I just treat it like it's um like it's a gig. I'm like, okay, I'm this is this is the hat I'm putting on today for this. So there you go. That's that's when I got into that. Um, yeah, because I was always awkward. You know, being a goth chick in high school, you're kind of awkward. You don't really talk or socialize, let alone smile. You know. <laughs> so, yeah, that's kind of like part of the the, the whole persona, right? Like. 
Like, <laughs> like, why are you smiling? Like, there's no smiling God. goth chicks. Like, what is wrong with you? Dismal. Yeah. Like, did you fail yeah. a course in goth school? Like, why are you smiling? <laughs> you know? Barely. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's like being goth and wearing pink. Like, really? Or white? Like, I know, right? Like, what is now wrong I with do. you? What is, I know. Um, so no, cause we had female listeners that were sending in questions. So like, you know, I, I've admired her work and everything, but like, I'm, I haven't gotten to that point where I feel comfortable being not naked, but like, you know, like semi nude, like bikinis, you're pretty you know? Close to it. Yeah. yeah I mean, like, your yeah, like yeah. ass cheeks out. Like, and they're like, how does she, <laughs> like, how did you build that courage to, you know, that just, you know, be like, okay, like, I'm going to do this, you know? You start out, you start out small. You, you go to what you're most comfortable in. I Has mean, if, you're, suit. if you were, yeah, yeah, that, you know, <laughs> you know, burlap sacks, all that, you know. Yeah. But if, I mean, if you go to the beach in a bikini, just to have, you know, photographers that you trust and, you know, start out slow with that. And, you know, sometimes it's easier for, um, you know, female models to shoot with a female photographer who's going to coach her how to pose her body and, um, or, you know, know what angles are good for her. And, and that's just, you know, finding someone you're comfortable with to help get your feet wet, um, I guess would be my best advice to those who are interested and, and haven't really found the, um, you know, what they need to feel, feel confident to do it. But, um, anybody, I feel, I feel anybody can do it. Um, if they have someone that they, they trust to take those photos with them. Now, did you have any kind of negative experiences? Because I, I know we all have. You mm-hmm. mentioned that it's easier to work with female photographers. Have you ever ran yeah. into instances where you're like, okay, like this guy's just, you know, purposely being a creep or just came off creepy or, <sighs> you know, like. There was one instance, but it wasn't for modeling, actually. I went for a casting call for um, an independent film and it was just this like rich old dude who like wanted to make my make movies um but he you know he had the auditions at his apartment and he wanted to play the role of the male for the thing and he's like okay and I'm like well I'm not going to do this scene with you and he's like well this is this is the the you know what I need and I'm like well I'll do this with an actor but I'm not going to do this with you you know, so, you know, obviously that didn't go over too well, so I left. But, you know, unfortunately, some in in these times, and, he, and, and a lot more back then, now that ever since, you know, the, uh, the Me Too movement's come forward, a lot more people are speaking out against things like this. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, there, it happens a lot. And, unfortunately, there's a lot of creeper photographers. And, thankfully, because I had no back in the day, I could tell someone now, but like, yeah, that ain't working with me. And, you know, I'm also taller than most guys. So when I have heels, I'm six <laughs> four. So it's a little I'm like, you're going you're gonna to do what? <laughs> you know, so, but no, it's, um, it, it is a, it is a, a, a very sad thing that happens right now because a lot of these young girls, they just want so bad to, to do this. And, um, and they can be manipulated by some of these creepy photographers that like, you know, I mean, there's, there's stories, there's so many stories and a lot of like models I network with that have, you know, run into situations where like photographers had hidden cameras in their dressing rooms and like, or took photos, talked the girl into taking her top off and then they would sell the photos or something like that. It's pretty brutal. So Mm -hmm. you just have to, you know, know your boundaries, set your boundaries. And if something makes you uncomfortable, don't be afraid to tell somebody no and leave. You know, I mean, they're not going to make or break you. If they're that creepy, they're not going to do shit about about your career. That's for damn sure. If anything, you could stop them from hurting somebody else. Mm-hmm. So that's that's my advice to to those girls. Because um, yeah, it's it's a scary world. There's a lot of creeps, unfortunately, and it ruins and it ruins the name for a lot of good photographers. And and that's the point I was trying to get with is because again, back to the Instagram having so much access, like it's such a competitive world that it's even more competitive now than it was back when you were doing it. And yeah, it's so very oversaturated too. Exactly. So it's it's there. Everybody's a model and everybody's a photographer, and mm-hmm. you know, there's there's different levels. 
and so many different girls and talent just want to, like you said, want to get on, want to be put on and want to mm-hmm. secure a gig that they're afraid that if they say no, you know, it's just like, okay, well, I don't, I don't have an option. But you're saying that you right. do have the option of saying no. Absolutely. And it, and it, and it, it takes to hear someone else who's been successful, who's been there to say that because it carries so much more weight than me saying it because like, who the fuck am I? All honesty, you know what I mean? Like, they're like, yeah, you're a podcast host, like you're a DJ, like you know, what do you know about, you know? No, but you talk to a lot of people, so you know, yeah. you could have definitely some good insight. But again, it, it, I think it carries so much more weight hearing it from you, someone who's been there and done that. Um, so, I guess what I want to ask off of that is, is like, have you, obviously you said no, but like, what are your boundaries? Mm-hmm. What are things that like you just are like no? That's just my no list. Like, I just don't even do that stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't shoot nudes. Um, you know, I, I have a few photographers that I am most comfortable with that, uh, you know, if I'm going to do like a hand bra type, you know, it's called uh, implied when you when you actually are nude, but you're not showing anything. So I have I have quite a few photographers I trust very, very much um, that I know would would never, never, ever do anything to hurt me. Um or my image, you know, um, they just want to make pretty pictures, um, too. So we have, uh, we have that kind of friendship where, I, where I know I can trust them. Um, so if, I, if I've never shot with a photographer before, I definitely won't do implied and I definitely won't do nudes. If I have a good first, second shoot with them, um, that might, you know, be something, but I never, I do never, never ever show anything in my photographs. So I always am, am covered some sort. And it's good to have a list of things that you are comfortable doing and not doing. Yeah. And, and, and recent, there's nothing wrong with, with nude modeling. Just it's not for me. So I, I you know. And it, like I said, I think, and like I said, I'm not a model, but like if I were approaching it, like I would have a, you know, a list of things that I'm comfortable doing, things that mm-hmm. I'm not comfortable like totally, and things that I'm like, okay, this might be negotiable. And right. Yeah. My advice. Yeah. And my advice to people out there is that like you're going to get. Uh, photographers and you're going to get people that are going to ask you if you want to do certain mm-hmm. things that may be on your no list and, and to not get discouraged because they asked if, you know, like if, like obviously like nude modeling is not your thing, you know, and mm-hmm. if a photographer were to ask you, do you do nude modeling? Don't, you know, discredit that guy or, you know, say, Oh, well, I'm not going to work with him because again, he doesn't have your list unless you provide it to him ahead of time. Right. You know, oh, yeah. He's not going to know That's what you're comfortable friend. doing. Yeah, some of my great friends and very close friend photographers, um, like that's a, a primarily what they shoot, and they are very, very respectful um, people, very close friends of mine, you know. And um, you know, when I when I started shooting with them, I told them I don't shoot nudes, and they and they were okay with it, you know, even though that's one of their specialties is like artistic nudes, and they do beautiful, beautiful work with lots of girls, and um, you know, and and there's some girls who just love being naked. They feel they feel like second nature, like the, that's where they belong. And, um, you know, and they, and they make beautiful art together, these people. Um, so, you know, it's not, not saying that every photographer who asks if you shoot nudes is, is being a pervert because they're not, because yeah. it is, it is something that, that is, is more acceptable, um, you know, these days and, and nude, nude art modeling is not porn pornographic. So it's, there's a big difference there too, you know? And that's the point I'm trying to get across is because, as you mentioned, the whole Me Too movement, there's like that thin line where people yeah. think because they're asking you if you do this, they're like, oh, my God, this guy's a pervert. This guy's a creep. And it's just like, no, it's just like, how do you ask now? Because, again, you don't want people to think that, you know, it's something more than, you know, like people think too much into things. And it just makes a lot of uh, a lot of photographer friends that I know that are like, you know, I'm so nervous about asking people if they do certain types sure. of stuff because yeah. I don't know how they're going to take it. You know, I just ask it's them. It's all like, in their tone and the verbiage. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, so, it's, yeah, it's it's. I can understand how on both ends it's kind of daunting to even bring up, you know. Now, mention these girls that were hitting me up saying that, you know, obviously, again, they admire what you do, you know, but they have their insecurities and they want to know, like, what insecurities – did you have that you've gotten over oh. that you still have? Oh, I have tons of them. <laughs> I know you mentioned about being, you know, having anxiety and everything, but was there, yeah. is there anything that like you just like, I wish I, you know, this part I, I was, you know, this body part I was, you know, better at or, you know, this or that yeah. or I could change. Like, like take us through that. 
Oh, my gosh. I mean, well, every woman has cellulite. So, of course, that's always something that we all worry about. But, you know, I mean, a, a good photographer knows their lighting, knows how to smooth the small imperfections and what have you. Um, weight is a big thing, you know, even still. I mean, I there's a certain weight I like to be. So when I'm not that, but I like to live life. So it, it's a balance. You know, I'm like, all right, well, am I going to not shoot if I have an extra five pounds on me? No. Um, I am getting older, you know, so I do get nervous about certain lighting and shadows and what have you. Um, you know, and then I, you know, well, when we get to it, um, (laughs) there's, there's a a certain body part now that I am a little more, you know, I have to, I know my angles now because, uh, I did have a procedure, um, which I guess, should I go into it now? Yeah. I was going to say like we're coming up in a couple months, like the two year anniversary of being, cancer free and you know like uh, take us through you know the different levels of that like when you first heard about it you know that the diagnosis like the mindset Mm -hmm. they go through it because there's going to be people that are listening right now that are going through it or you know are gone through it so when you first heard or like how did you know something was wrong well so it's for those who don't know it, um, I had breast cancer. Um, stage one, thankfully, um, was diagnosed in May of 2019. Um, I was in the shower and I was doing a self exam and I felt something which felt like about the size of a grain of, of uncooked rice. Very, very small. Um, in the upper exterior, like near your armpit, but, um, still on the breast. And I was like, well, that's, that's new. Um, that shouldn't be there. And I ignored it for like a week or two. And it was still there. Cause I was like, Oh, maybe it's just like a stupid, you know, calcium deposit or something. And, um, so a few weeks went by and I asked my husband, I was like, uh, do you feel this? And he was like, Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I do. You should get that checked out. And, uh, long story short, I, I caught it very, very early. Um, and I elected to do a double mastectomy because of my age, because I am, technically very young still to have breast cancer um the chances of it coming back at some point are you know always considered a a high risk once you've had it so i was like well i'll just remove the source and i i did a double mastectomy thankfully i didn't need um chemo or radiation if i did a lumpectomy i would have had to have uh radiation and i would have had to have uh my breasts were not natural beforehand. So, and, and having radiation can, uh, damage your implants. So I would have had to have them redone anyway. So I'm like, well, this is all just many, many surgeries. I'll just get the whole thing done and wipe out the source and, and make my chances of it coming back a lot smaller. So, um, so that's one thing I'm, I'm very insecure about still is, um, even though they did an amazing, amazing job on my reconstruction, like, I mean, I still have the surface all looks the same because, um, you know, the location of my cancer and the stage of it, I was able to keep um, my nipples, essentially. So all the uh, incisions and everything are hidden in, like, where an underwire of a bra goes. And, um, I mean, I healed phenomenally. And they'll never, ever be perfect. Because once you remove breast tissue, you can still see some hint of an implant at certain angles. So that that's something I'm insecure about. But, you know, once again, I, I know how to hide it. I know my angles. I can use certain bras or bikinis and certain things fit a certain way. Then I, I know it, nobody will, will pick up on it, essentially. And for most people, probably wouldn't even notice anyway. Like that's the sure, one thing. Yeah. That's the one thing I always mm-hmm. notice about insecurities. It's easy to say it in retrospect, you know, but a lot of people are like so insecure about different parts of their body, and I'm like, yeah. you're insecure about it, but how many people actually are noticing what you're insecure about? You know, yeah, not to we're our own worst enemies. Yeah, not to downplay, you know, your situation or anything, but it's just like how many people, like you said, were even noticing. No one would even noticed, you know, that you went through what you went through. Um, you mm-hmm. said that you, you were doing a self-test. Was it just a regular self-test or was it something that you just kind of found by accident? Just, I mean, you know, just the usual. I mean, there's a certain way women are supposed to check their breasts. You know, you put your one arm behind your head and you make a circle of motion. So, um, you know, and I, and I was like, oh, it's May, you know, and 
I don't know, I was like, I'm getting older, you know, and I was 42 at the time. And there it was. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Because, I, I mean, it's just like thinking. most people probably, and I mean, I don't know because I'm, I'm speaking from the male point of view, but yeah. I mean, how many people actually like, like the fact that you're like, it's May and like, this is like a routine thing. Like, I'm really shocked because I don't know how many people actually routinely check themselves. You see what I'm yeah, saying? Like, there's, there's probably. I, I was an advocate for that. Once, once this all happened, I, I made sure that I was very public with my story so that people would check mm-hmm. themselves. Like make it a routine thing to check, you know, yeah. like More, you said, and once a month. Yeah. And, and he said there's a, you know, a certain technique of, you know, doing it. So it's just like definitely mm-hmm. like Google it, you know, just research mm-hmm. it, like know all the ways of checking and staying on a routine and making reminders because there's probably people out there again that are just, I mean, cause really like who's thinking about it, you know, like it's, it's, yeah. it's like, it's foolish and it's like, like ignorance on our part that we don't think it could happen to us. But it can. One in eight women. Yeah. Yep. One in eight women. So get it. one in eight women, you stop and you think yeah. about that. Like it can happen to you, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just like it's, I mean, you're one of the lucky ones that found it early, you know, but there's people that out there. on it early. Yeah. So, yeah. And, if, and I didn't, if I didn't go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's people out there, that, like I said, are not even acting on it or, um, you know, even keeping a routine or knowing, you know, the way of checking. They're just kind of just going on with life and everything. And then. It's like they don't find it, it finds them, you know, and then right. that's when it's like the battle's so much harder to overcome. Um, mm-hmm. So, obviously, having anxiety already, like, how did you mentally hang oh, in God. there? My husband is quite a rock star. He really is. I mean, he, uh, he, he just he he handled everything so perfectly i mean his he it was he was no stranger to it his mother actually fought breast cancer three times and one um she's you know an amazing amazing woman very very strong and um you know so when i was going through it he he was the constant support i needed i mean he he took care of me after my surgery i mean i'm walking around with drains in me i mean i had you know, it, it, I didn't like wake up from a double mastectomy and have new boobs. I had to go through a process with expanders. Um, you know, I didn't exactly look, um, you know, to be blunt. I didn't look good for, for quite a few months. I had these, you know, things were, things were not okay. <laughs> so, um, but he was great. I mean, he did, he did everything for me. He helped me. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he was just there for me. And, and oh, my God, so many people were there for me. It was amazing. I had an amazing support system. And that is, that's huge. Um, Very crucial. To have that. Yeah. I mean, everybody was just on my side and, and just rooting for me. And, you know, and and I think one, one of the main reasons I did go public with it wasn't for, you know, the pity party or anything like that. But I'm like, okay, if I can turn this into – you know, um, motivation for people to, you know, be aware or to not be afraid to make this choice, then that occupied my brain that I'm like, okay, I'm going to show people that it's, even though it's scary, it doesn't have to be scary. Like, you know, it's okay to make this decision if you have questions to ask me. And like, so making that a priority kind of helped me from sitting there and looking at myself going, what was me? You know, it was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to show people that they can do this too. I'm going to show people that, you know, they don't have to stop, you know, wearing bikinis or anything like that after, after if they choose to go through this, Um, you know, so I, I wanted to make sure that I could come back and bounce back, you know, 125%, you know, and just show that it can be done. So I used that, um, to to kind of push me to stay positive and and all that stuff through it. And one of the great things about it is if there, I I always try to lean on the side of positivity. And if there's anything positive that can come out of being diagnosed with any form of cancer, no matter what stage, no matter what form of cancer, is to make it seem uh, normal normalizing it to the fact that you know this can happen to anybody Mm -hmm. and we don't stop living and 
it's I think that's one of the crucial things of overcoming it. And, you know, obviously with technology and medicine and science now, like the survival rate is so much higher than it was, you know, 20, 30 Mm -hmm. years ago. But the fact that we can normalize it to the point where it's just like it's it's yeah, it's a scary thing. Like, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to shit you and say it's not, you know, you don't get scared. There is going to be times where you're going to be scared, but it's beatable. And it's something that, you know, anybody can, um, you know, defeat, you know, but it's it's about, again, making it normalized to the point where people are like, hey, you know, like not that you don't take it seriously, but it's just like, you know, so many other people before me have gone through this and have beat it. Mm -hmm. You know, so yeah. it's like a kudos and, you know, a tip of the cap to you for someone who is strong enough to say, you know, like, hey, I went through this because there's there's a lot of people out there that are, you know, uh, going through it now that are, you know, yeah. depressed and have anxiety or people who have have gone through it, beat in it. And, you know, for whatever reasons, they're, you know, they're not comfortable talking about it. And that's that's mm-hmm. a prerogative. And that's totally, you know, up to them. But what I'm saying right now is an advocate for, you know, an ally for people that are going through this is like, don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed that, you know, you had to go through this. Like, embrace it. Share your story because your story mm-hmm. is motivation for the next person, you know. Exactly. And, and if we snowball that effect to the point where, you know, everybody feels comfortable talking about it, where it's just like it's like a normal thing, then mm-hmm. there's no room for anxiety there's no room for depression there's no room for embarrassment because everybody can go through it and everybody can beat it and it's just again leaning towards positivity right yeah i mean i've had conversations with complete and perfect strangers all on online um because i've said you know if anyone ever has any questions you know do you know someone going through this are you going through this like you know um you know some, some advice on how to you know uh you know, if they want doctor, you know, recommendations or, you know, whatever, like, um, you know, I just wanted them to know. I'm like, I'm like, you know, you can ask me. Like, I'm, 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 this is something I want to help people with is to not be afraid, you know, of, um, of, you know, what, what, what next step should be. So coming up in August will be two years that you're cancer free. Yeah. So mm-hmm. what's the latest uh, update on it? Like how often have you had to go see, you know, follow up visits? You know, where do they say oh, yeah. right now? I mean, after that, it'll be every six months. Um, it, my oncologist is every three months. I go in, they just talk to me and uh, take my blood and read all that stuff. Um, and every six months I see the surgeon who uh, who performed uh, my double mastectomy and she gives me a physical exam because I no longer need to get uh, mammograms because there's no breast tissue there. Um, should she ever feel or, you know, um, feel that there's something there possibly, then that's when I would go and have an MRI and it would, it would check that way. But thankfully, everything has been, you know, on point since then and all all good so yeah it'll be uh it'll be every six months um i think after gosh is it after three years wait if it i'm not sure what the timeline is but then it'll it'll go to like once a year so but uh yeah they'll they'll and you just and that's a lot that's a lot of things um that people don't do sometimes they'll just one and done it and they don't they don't follow up with their appointments so even though I'm sitting there and they're like, oh, is anything different? I'm like, nope, all's the same, all's the same. You know, I'm still showing up for those appointments because if they read my labs and like something's off, I wouldn't have known if I didn't go to that appointment, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, very awesome. Is it, you know, we're all ecstatic to hear that, you know, we're going to be celebrating two years cancer free and that you're such a big advocate for it. And mm-hmm. I think, Thank you. and yeah, definitely. And I think one of the things that I admire more about the fact that, you know, you're encouraging people that they can be a model or they can be in a rock band or anything is the fact that you're a survivor and you're able to tell that mm-hmm. story and encourage people to, you know, get your routine checks, go ahead and do your follow-ups, all that stuff like that there carries so much more weight for me and, and my admiration for you than any of the stuff you could do, you know, modeling wise, because you're using your platform as a way to, you know, reach out to people. So that's, you know, very awesome in my book. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I, I sat there and I was like, you know what, I do. I have between Facebook and, you know, people I've met through all different, you know, all the hats I wear from my, my day job, the bands, and, and then the modeling. I'm like, 
it'd be stupid not to not to use this as information for people, you know, without having this access to people. Now, what, it, it was irresponsible if I didn't do that. Now, I was going to say, what do you have plans for going to the future? Like, again, you, you totally mind-blown me because I didn't realize you were 44. Like, I'm like, there's what? I'm like, we said, I'm like, stop lying. Like, you know, but like you, you've mentioned a couple of times throughout the show that, you know, you're getting older, you're getting older. So like, yep. what mm-hmm. are, what is your plans and goals? And I mean, is you more focused on doing the, the band stuff or the modeling stuff? Like, what can we expect from Farah in the next five, ten years from there? Well, right now, everything is pretty much at the same level. I mean, I, I work full time. I, you know, my band is not full time, but I, but I, cause I have to, balance is key. You have to have balance. I need to make time for myself too. So it's like, you know, you do the day job thing, you do the band thing. And, you know, I, I like to model at least maybe once or twice a month, if not, you know, more if I get like some other jigs and stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean, I want to do it as I, my joke is I'll, I'll, I'll take pictures as long as people still want them. So, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, I, I love it. And, um, I guess as long as I, I don't break the camera, I'll keep, I'll keep doing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I have a better chance of breaking the camera than you do. So I think I will take care of that, that for you. Um, you mentioned all the social platforms that you're on. Let everybody know where they can find out information from you as far as, you know, modeling, the the band stuff. Where can people stay in contact with you? And if people had questions and want to ask you stuff about your journey with, you know, dealing with cancer. Probably the easiest place for people to reach me is on Instagram. Um, so it's Farah underscore DeMorte. Um, I also have a backup um, account on there, too, which is says like Farah DeMorte official backup or something like that. But the main account um, is one they can always reach out to me. Um, I have a Facebook fan page, too, which is uh, Farah D.E. Space Morte. Um, but I also have a Facebook profile, too. But that one I never answer because it just comes in like crazy. So and it's usually just. Hi. <laughs> the one guy. Hi. And I'm like, okay, I can't. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, Instagram that can, they can just write a message. I can read it and then, you know, help them with that. Um, I've made quite a few, uh, female connections on there, um, with women who have gone through this or going through this. Um, and it's been, it's been great. Um, so yeah, definitely they can always reach me, reach me there. Now, is there anything, lastly, you want the fans to know that we didn't touch on or speak about? Anything that uh, you want the fans to know before you leave? I mean, you know, I, I'm just grateful that I do even still have fans. <laughs> you know, it, it's funny because um, I don't think I'm anybody special. I just, I just do stuff that I like, and I'm into like weird stuff. And if people, you know, can relate to that, then that's awesome. And I'm, I'm just grateful that people think I'm cool enough to follow, <laughs> you know, cause I, I'm not like, I, like that's another thing that's changing is everyone's got these TikToks and they're always making these videos and doing all this stuff. And I, you know, I, I'm just, I don't have that kind of time to do that kind of stuff. So I just, <laughs> I'm like, I wish I did, but I, I don't, you know, I'm just, I have, I have my hand in all these other things. So hopefully, you know, I don't become obsolete because I'm not doing the new thing. <laughs> I tell people, and I've said it in past episodes of the podcast, I don't know where people find the time to stay up to date with all these different social media platforms and learning all of them and constantly feeling like they have to put out new content. It's a job yeah. in its own just to keep continuously putting stuff out there, you know, yeah. but it's, it's, you know, it's a doggy dog world out there where you know it's survival the fittest sometimes where it's like you got to keep putting out content so that people can mm-hmm. you know find you and it's just it's 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 tired exhausting. <laughs> I'm, I'm tired talking about, talking about it. it yes <laughs> i'm like where do you people get the energy to do this like there's not enough there's not enough red bulls and starbucks in the oh. world for me to stay up to date on all these and it's 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 sad because, like you said, you kind of like almost feel like you're going to get to a point where you need to learn how to use it, you know, because <laughs> if not, you're going to get lost in the dust, you know, scenes yep. like mm-hmm. how many people said that, you know, I don't need an email address, you know, in 1997, <laughs> you know, I don't need an right. email address, yeah. you know, I'll, it's just I'll like, just stick to AOL. It's yeah, fine. <laughs> I got AOL messenger, <laughs> catch me in the chat rooms, you know, 
<laughs> dial up. Yeah, it's like age, sex, location. You know what I mean? Like, you see the little guy running across your screen. You know, so yeah, I mean, it's just like even like the Snapchat, and I've said this numerous times. Everybody knows like my Snapchat is not my Snapchat because somebody else has my name on Snapchat. Oh my gosh! I'm like, how do you have my name? Like, it's a trademark registered name. How can you have my name? So I'm just like, screw it. Don't even do Snapchat. Don't really have the time for Snapchat. But then a lot of these, but then a lot of these like these apps and everything are embracing everybody else's technologies anyway. You know, right. so like I had spoken to a guest once before and they're like, yeah, you remember Periscope, you know, and now oh it's just God. like, yeah, but now it's like everybody has their own form of it. You know what I mean? So it's like yeah. Instagram has stories and now they got reels and so does Twitter and so does Facebook mm-hmm. and Facebook is mm-hmm. Instagram and vice versa. And I'm like, I don't know. It's just, it's yep. like, it's like a soap opera sometimes trying to keep up with all the, uh, very much who's very with much, who, yeah. you know, so. Well, it's been awesome talking to you, and it was well worth the wait for me. um, Because again, yeah, because it was someone that I wanted to have on for a while, and I know I hit you up years ago, and it was just so recently that I was like cleaning out DM messages online. I'm like, oh wow, like we were supposed to have you on the podcast like two years ago, like so you know, (laughs) you're still interested, and it's cool because it's just like now it's just like all right, would this have been as good of an interview? Two years ago, I would say not because probably not not yeah. as uh, informative. No, mm-hmm. and not only that because I probably would have sucked two years ago. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> no, I'm serious. I'm ser- joking, not joking. No, but I mean, it's just cool that you know that we it, it is. It's more informative now, and it's like I said, I've, I'm more interested in having you share your story and your experience with that world than I did anything else that you've done. Not to discredit anything else you've ever no, done, but I just felt like that was that was like more important, you know. So it was just like, yeah. you know, it, it was like a, a blessing in disguise that we did not have you on. Although I would yeah. have brought you on anyway after the fact, you know. But it's cool that sure, yeah. it was like a one and done. We didn't have to like <laughs> make those chapters, you know. Nothing against us yeah. having chapters because you're always welcome back on the show whenever you want to come on. Um, but it was cool that we were able to kind of talk about this all in one shot and. uh you know, hopefully people uh, take what you said and, you know, take it for a truth that, you know, hey, go get checked, stay up on your routines, you know, in your, in your visits and definitely, uh, you know, keep pushing forward. So uh, with that being said, mm-hmm. I, I thank you again for coming on. And, you know, we're always going to stay up to date and find everything that you're doing online. So uh, keep being you and keep being awesome. Thank you so much for having me again. Hey guys, this is Farrah DeMorte and you are listening to Mixed Mess of B on MMB Radio.